Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Hey, welcome to church. Glad you guys are here. If I haven't met you, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And I get the privilege to talk to us today about one of our announcements, but to go into a lot more depth about it. You know, we say next week that we're having our second birthday party. Who's pumped about the second birthday party? Isn't it amazing what God's done in just two years? In just two years, God has done so much in so many lives, and it's a great opportunity to celebrate. And when we say we get to to throw the party of all parties and we get to do it with the, the best way to celebrate with baptism, that stirs so much excitement in me because I understand what baptism actually means and how powerful that thing is. See, we all have some sort of context for for baptism. We've all heard of it. Even if you've just heard the phrase baptism by fire, you've got some sort of context for what baptism is. But what I've found over the years is that most of us have an idea of what it might be, but there's not a lot of clarity on why we do this thing called baptism, what it actually is. Does God actually do anything with it? What's the power behind it? And if we understand that, when we will understand why baptism is the perfect thing to celebrate a two-year party. Why it's the, the, the best thing that we can do to say, look at all that God has done. And so today, we're actually going to dig into it. We're going to dig into What does baptism actually mean in the life of someone who is committed to follow Jesus? Where did it start? Why do we do it? What is the power behind it? And we're going to get some clarity together because there's sometimes some confusion about baptism. I remember when I got baptized, um, I was about seven, eight years old, um, the same age as our youngest son, who we're actually going to be baptizing next week, which we are pumped about. But I was about that age, and I was really ready to be baptized. I had been asking my parents for a couple years. See, I'd grown up in the church, and my parents had shared the gospel with me, and, and I had received it, and I was experiencing the real conviction of my sin, and, and I really wanted to be baptized. And my parents you know, had, had been cautious and slow and just wanted to make sure that I really understood the gospel as best as a seven and eight year old could. Um, But I really wanted to follow Jesus and I wanted people to know about it. And so I was ready to be baptized. And so I grew up in this traditional Southern Baptist church, just about 90 miles north in the Dallas Fort Worth area. It was a great church. And, you know, we had an auditorium similar to this, but about where those lights are up there, there was this room that you had to take a secret stairway to get to, which was known as the baptismal. And it was the secret place that you would sneak into and you were scared that if Dr. George, the pastor of our church, caught you back there, that you were going to find yourself in some, some trouble. But you always wondered, is there water in it when no one's getting baptized? Is it really like a hot tub that people are just hanging out in? And so me and my friends would sneak back there we were at the church a lot, and we would sneak back there and just kind of look, but quickly run away because we, we knew what would happen if we got caught back there. But I was, I was really excited to be baptized. And so 
we had this, this process you went through. And so you would meet with the pastor, and the pastor would talk to you to, to make sure that you understood what it meant to be baptized. And so, you know, Dr. George was actually a family friend of ours, so it was, it was not uncomfortable for me to go sit with him and, and talk with him. But when I was sitting and talking with him, the conversation went a little different than I think he thought it was going to go. And so my mom takes me up there, and we're, we're talking, and, and he says, hey, you know, Vicky, let me, let me just talk to Chris and, and make sure that he's clear on what baptism is. And so we have this little brief conversation, and he asked me this pointy question. He said, hey, you know, one of the biggest things with understanding baptism is, is knowing why we get baptized. Chris, let me ask you this question. Um, have you ever sinned? And I looked straight in his eyes and said, no, sir. And he puzzled because he had probably seen me sin multiple times. And he said, let me go talk to your mom real quick. And he walks out of the office and he talks to my mom. And my mom comes and talks to me and says, hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever sinned before? Yes, ma'am. And she said, okay, you know, something's not happening. So he comes back in and, and three or four times this exchange takes place. He asked me the question, have you ever sinned? No, sir. Mom would come back in. Have you ever sinned? Yes, ma'am. After about four times, they decided this is a conversation all three of us need to have together. And they ask the same question, and they say, why do you keep giving us two separate answers? And I said, I would really want to be baptized, but I'm afraid if I tell him that I've sinned, he won't let me be baptized, and I'll have to leave the church. See, I was confused, like many of us are, about what baptism is. What it is, why we do it, what the power of it is. I knew I was saved, but I needed some clarity on what baptism actually was. See, because sometimes we think baptism's just a religious tradition. Different religions do it different way. Different denominations do it different ways. And it's just part of religion that we do this baptism thing because that's just what you do at church. That's just what you do in a religious context. But there's a lot more to it than that. There's, there's some real history behind it. There's some real whys that God's getting at. And, and if we can understand them, then I think there's some things that, we, that can happen. One, if you've been baptized, I think you'll understand the reality of the power and blessing of God that was released into your life when you, when you made that decision. That if you've never been baptized, but you've given your life to Jesus, I, I'm praying that today you will see, this is why I need to do this. And I'm not just realizing why I need to do this. I'm so jacked up to do this that I can't wait to do it. And I want everyone I know to be there to see me do it. And if you're here today and you would say, I'm glad to be here. This is fun, but I'm not a follower of Jesus and I've got a grid for baptism. I'm hoping that today you just get some greater clarity on why we do what we do. So let me answer some of these questions because there, there's some great things that God wants to teach us. You know, first of all, what we need to understand is that baptism is not salvation. It is not a requirement to be saved. Let's be really clear on that. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, let me read that for you. It says, But God in His great love, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Let's keep going. And it says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Again, it goes on to say in verse 8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves. This is the gift of God. Not by works, even the work of baptism. Doesn't say that. I added that. So that no one can boast. Baptism is a symbolic response of what is happening on the inside. We get baptized. We, we get dunked in the water. And it is a physical representation of what God is doing on the inside. Just like when you get in water, you get cleaned. When you say yes to Jesus, and you say, by faith, I receive what you have done in my life. There is an internal cleansing. There is a spiritual cleansing that is done. And baptism is a physical, symbolic representation of what is happening there. It is an obedient response because of the work of salvation in our life, but it is not salvation in our life. We are saved by grace through faith, not by anything I do. But because I've been saved by grace through faith, I want to be baptized. And I'm going to explain why in a minute. See, we... We needed a Savior. We needed a Savior badly. And so God saw what we needed and He sent Jesus. And Jesus lived this, this perfect life, this, this blameless life before all people. And then He died a criminal's death. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there for a few days and then He raised from the dead. Then he went around walking and, and teaching disciples for about 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven. And before he left, he said something to his disciples. This is a big reason why we believe every person who says yes to following Jesus needs to be baptized. This is the reason. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Sounds familiar. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Why do we believe that every person who says yes to following Jesus needs to be baptized? Because he told us to. It's pretty simple. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which is really significant that he said it to do it that way. And I'll explain why in just a second. He said, now teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. Jesus said, this is what you need to do. 
Don't just go and tell people about me. And when they accept me, say, cool. No, then baptize them. Throughout the New Testament, that's exactly what the disciples did. See, baptism wasn't a foreign concept to especially the Jewish people. It was not a foreign concept. In Leviticus chapter 16, the, God was giving some instructions to the priest about how to interact with him because they, they had to go through certain rites and rituals to, to be clean before God, before they could enter into his presence. And, and one of them in Leviticus 16.4, he's telling the priest they, have, they need to put on these certain garments before they enter into the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence dwelt. Before they do that, they, before they can put on these garments, they need to bathe themselves so that they are cleansed, ceremonially cleansed before they put on this new garment. So this idea of baptism was not a foreign concept. You need to be cleansed before God. And so the people had this, this kind of context rolling in their mind. And then there was John the Baptist. I mean, his, he got his name from, from doing what he did. See, but John's baptism was, was different than what Jesus is talking about here. See, Paul actually says in, in Acts 19 that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. What does that mean? What John was doing is he was coming to the people of Israel and saying, look, we need to all recognize that we have sinned and repent for that sin and turn back to God's ways, the law. The reason it's different than what Jesus is talking about, even though John actually said, I baptize with waters, but someone's coming later to baptize with fire. It's a different thing. He was saying, the reason we need to do this is we need to align again with God's ways. We need to align again with what God taught in the, the law of Moses. But Jesus says, when you baptize people now, it's not just a baptism of repentance of saying, hey, we're going to line up with God's laws and the way of Moses. No, see, when Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled all of the law. We no longer had to follow all the law to be in right relationship with God. Amen. That should stir us with great excitement because the law was extensive and no one but Jesus ever fulfilled it. So we should be pumped about that alone. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 you don't need to do that baptism anymore. There's a new baptism for you. And it's the baptism of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was a mind-blowing concept for people of that day. We sometimes read it and don't understand the context behind it. But when, when he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, that would be a, a, a connection that the Jewish people would have. They, were, they understood God, Father. But Jesus is now the Son. See, the Jewish people had always related to God, Father, you are holy. You are high and lifted up. You, there's no one other like you. But then God became flesh and came and lived, lived among us. And He lived on the earth. And He lived this life and He did what no one else could do. And He ascended to the Father. And He said, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And were you once had a priest that would go on behalf of God for you, and why there was once a physical God-man with you who was though limited by human restrictions so he couldn't be with every person at all time. Now I'm giving you the Holy Spirit who this very God that you've known will now live inside of you. 
So when you get baptized, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, understanding that you have a Father in heaven. That you have Jesus who made a way for you, who knew everything that you've been through, who's walked in every way that you have, but has done it without sin. And so he said, There's, I've made a way for you. And now you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the very God that you've come to know living inside you. When you get baptized, get baptized in that name. Get baptized in that way. Not just turning back to God's ways, but saying, no, I'm going to be filled with the very Spirit of God. Living in that way. That's why when people got saved, they immediately got baptized. In Acts chapter 2, there's this, Jesus has already ascended to heaven. His followers are waiting. Just like he, he said, he said, wait, and I'll give you power. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit comes and falls on them, and, and they go out and they start preaching the gospel, and, and Peter starts preaching. And he says, you know, tells people to repent and turn, tells them who Jesus is and was. And it said people responded to it. They responded in such great numbers that there were 3,000 people in a day who responded to the message and it says got baptized. That was a crazy day. Crazy day. It's a good... I never thought about it, but it said on that day they started preaching at like 9 a.m. And the power of God was so on them that people thought they were drunk. I think it's just great that they got started so early. Because they had a lot of work to do. They had 3,000 people to baptize. If you don't start early in the day, you're not going to finish. See, but there's stories throughout the New Testament of people who hear the message of Jesus. They receive it with joy. And then immediately their next step is to be baptized. It's not a a salvation experience, that baptism, but it's the immediate obedient response to it. Because what it was, is it was a, a moment where they would go, because they would get baptized in public places. They would go down to rivers. Now, I've seen people baptized in swimming pools and bathtubs. Next week, we're actually going to have a feeding trough that we're going to fill with water. I've seen people baptized in the back of trucks. I've seen people done in rivers, lakes. But you know what? Back then, the easiest thing to do was, a, was some sort of river or lake. Not a whole lot of public sanitation and, and bath water flowing back then. And so people would go down to the river, which was a gathering place for the community. Cities have always been built around bodies of water. So people would gather there. And they would go there, and they would publicly declare, I'm getting baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because I have been saved by Jesus. It was a public declaration to everyone around them that I am with Jesus. I'm following after Him now. It was this kind of line in the sand of people saying, there's no turning back. I'm going forward with Him forever and all time for the rest of my life because He's the one I want. So when we get baptized, it is us declaring, I'm with Jesus. 
That's why we, we do it publicly. You know, occasionally you can't always do it publicly, but, you know, you've got, you can invite friends over to your home and, and do that. But I'm like, that's why we want to do that that way. Because we want to make a declaration before people that I am with Jesus. I want people to know that I'm with Jesus. But there's also a power and a blessing that comes on it. Did you know that, that obedience leads you into blessing? Obedience leads you into blessing. Obedience doesn't gain you more love. Obedience leads you into blessing and favor. When I was a child, my parents loved me no matter what, even when I did stupid things. And I did a lot of stupid things. But, it, but when I obeyed them, there was a blessing that came. There was privileges that I received that I wouldn't receive otherwise. There was opportunities I would get that I wouldn't always get if I was disobedient, if I was being a jerk, if I was rejecting what they had asked me to do, if I was ignoring my chores and the different things that they had put before me, I would lose out on privileges, lose out on opportunities. But when I would align with it, there would be blessing. There would be great things that come. I never lost their love. I never was not their son. But there was great blessing. The same way as with God. His love is for you and is never turning off. It is never decreasing. It's never increasing. It is always on the full it can be for you forever, no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do. No matter if you've said yes to him or not yet, he loves you fully. He doesn't love you more fully when you say yes to him, and he doesn't love you less if you haven't. He loves you fully all the time. But there's a blessing that I receive when I say yes and align with his ways. There is, there's favor that comes on my life. There's, a, there's things that I begin to experience. Why do, why do I love that I've been baptized? Because, it, I, one, it's an obedient response to God. But two, it allows me to identify with Him so I get to know Him more. I get to understand who He is. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It says, What then? It says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we are those who have died to sin how can we live it in any longer or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into christ were baptized into his death we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father we too may have new life amen for if we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection, in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. We are no longer slaves to sin. Woo! Set somebody free this morning. Because anyone who died 
has been set free from that sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Man, that is some loaded scripture. Let's dig into what it means, because in there lies the power, the blessing of baptism. When we choose to identify with Jesus by being baptized, there's some blessings that come. There's some even new ways of thinking and understanding that come. First one I want us to look at, the power of baptism and identifying with Jesus in three specific ways. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. And this, I think if we can lean into this this morning and get some, some understanding of when we get baptized, or when you were baptized, how you being baptized and identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection, there was some new understanding that God wanted to release to you. There's some new faith that he wanted to release to you. For you to step into a new way of living. First is to identify with his death. What did Jesus' death mean? And when we grab hold of that, we begin to understand what it can mean for us. How we can live differently. When Jesus died, it meant that my sin was fully paid for. My sin, the things that I've done that lead me astray from God's ways, any thought, any action, any motive of the heart that is contrary to the ways of God, even one, you may be the best person in the room, if you've ever had a wrong motive that went contrary to God's ways, what you deserve is death and eternal separation from God. It may sound harsh, but when he's holy and there is no sin in him, even the smallest sin can't be near him. See, but God, as it said in Ephesians 2, is so full of love and so rich in mercy that he sent Jesus, who knew no sin. The Bible says that he lived among us, yet he knew no sin. He was tempted and tried in every way, yet he didn't give in to him. He had all the opportunities to have his motives go crossed. But he stayed aligned with God. And so when he willingly went to that cross and died, he took the penalty for all of our sin. And he died. And did you hear what Romans 6 said? He became master of death. Because he went to the cross and died when he had done no wrong on our behalf and took sin on himself, he conquered death. Which means, one, your sin was paid for, and two, it means that death has no hold on you anymore, which means sin has no hold on you anymore. You are dead to sin. Where once, when God looked at you, once God looked at you and he saw, he saw a sinner. 
Your sin is what he saw. But when I receive Jesus, and I say, I can't do it on my own. I can't do enough right things. I can't change the tide of of who I am and how I've done things. I can't correct it. But Jesus, I just accept what you've done. He doesn't see me according to my sin anymore. He sees me according to Jesus' righteousness. And so my sin is done. It's dead. What that means for me practically is that sin has no hold on me anymore. Let me say that to you. Sin has no hold on you. What you're struggling with is dead. You, it has, it has died. It has died. It's done. It's done. The power of sin in your life, when you said yes to Jesus, died. So today, when you feel like losing your temper again, remember, that thing died. It's done. What Name your sin. We've all got them. We've all got the thing that we fall back into. Tell yourself today, that thing's dead. It doesn't have power over anymore. It is done. And when I identify with Jesus in that death, there's a power. There's a grace. There's a blessing. And saying, nope, that thing's done. I identify with him in his burial. You know, his burial is interesting to me. Have you ever asked the question, what did he do in the tomb? There's a few scriptures that, that even address it. I'm not going to dig into them today because scholars, most scholars agree they're, they're two of the most confusing passages of scripture in all of the Bible. So we're not going to try to unpack them in three minutes. But one of the things that it the connections that's made there is that of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. Jesus said that he came to set captives free. When I identify with his burial, there's something that happens where God doesn't make me dead to sin. The consequences of that sin the, the prison that sometimes a choice can make you live in for years, he broke the power of that. He broke the power of that. It says that Jesus came to set the prisoners free. What does that mean? Think about it. When someone's in prison, they have done a wrong. They've committed a crime. A moment where they did something wrong will often lead to years of staying in prison. Sometimes in our lives, a moment of doing something wrong, we will put ourselves in prison for years. We will put ourselves in a prison of shame, of guilt. And Jesus said, No, 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 no. I came to set the prisoners free. I came so that you would be free of the baggage that you've been carrying around. 
I came so that you actually have authority to cut the cord and live free from your past consequences of sin. From the stain of sin, from the guilt of sin, from the shame of sin, that stain of sin that you feel like is on your life. No, I came to cut that cord. I came to set the prisoners free. The door's wide open. It's time to walk out. It's time to stop living in shame. It's time to stop living in guilt. You've been set free. Sin no longer has a power on you, and it's no longer locking you into a past and setting you free so that you can walk into a new future. Identify with me because there's something more for you you've been set free and you've been set free into resurrection you've been set free into a new life you've been set free into being alive to something totally new see when we said yes to Jesus there's a scripture in Romans 8 that every time I read it, it, I feel like I get my mind blown again. Because I'm like, how can that be true? I know it is, but it just seems like it's too good to be true. Romans 8, in verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he, will give, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of the Spirit who lives in you. Let's sit there for a moment. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. The very same Spirit. One of the things I love to do is to let the truth of what Scripture says, rewrite the way I think. Let it rewrite the way you think this morning. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you today. What feels dead? What feels dead in you today? Think about it for a moment. We got time. That same spirit that raised him from the dead is alive in you. You've been given new life. It's time for some dead places to come alive. It's time for some dead dreams to come alive. It's time for you to come alive. The same Spirit that raised him from the dead is alive in you today. He's giving us a new life. Because of me identifying with him in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, I can look forward and say, I've got a new life. I've got a new life. I've got new hope. There's new promises. There's new joys available for me. There's a future better than I could have ever believed for. Because I'm now with Him. I got a new life. What was once dead is now alive. See, when, when we get baptized, 
And the reason it's so important in our lives is one, yeah, it's obedience, but two, for what it does inside of us. When you identify with his death and you say, I know I have been, the sin in my life has been killed. So next time the sin tries to creep up, you can look at it and say, you're dead. You don't have power over me anymore. When the guilt of everything that you've done tries to close around you again, and you start to move into some new ideas, new territories, new adventures with God, and that's, that old past starts to creep in and say, you can't do that. Remember what you once did? It's time to go back to your prison cell. You can say, no, I've been buried with Jesus. I've been a captive that's been set free. I was once dead, but I'm now alive. That prison doesn't hold me anymore. That shame doesn't hold me anymore. That guilt has no power over me. I've been set free because the Spirit of God is alive in me. The Spirit of God is here and He's alive in me. So everywhere I go, I'm taking the very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Why don't you stand up for a moment?